0: Is, this is John and Matt from the Chemical Recycling Europe,
1: Europe, Europe Conference in Brussels. And it's live
2: climatefuture.com.
1: <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> now let's get the hell out of here.
0: John, we are here today uh, because we have a special edition of our mm. podcast. We have... Yeah. Recorded a couple of weeks ago, a yeah. couple of people who are very interesting because we were together at the
3: Chemical Recycling Europe Conference in Brussels. The title of the conference was Chemical Recycling, an Industry for the European Circular Economy. That's where we were. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it was cool. It was great.
0: No, that's why that's why it's so interesting that we have this special episode today because we actually took out some of the people who were there and yeah. we recorded them live and cool. we asked them questions that they weren't prepared for. The only thing that we have to tell the audience is, of course, that we had... Uh, it was live, so the 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 mm-hmm. qualities might not be perfect.
3: There is some, some really background cool background noise. music I heard in some of the interviews. Yeah. Though. I must say, I mean, it's some good like uh, you know you know uh, lounge lounge music uh, in some of them. So really good.
0: Yeah, and um, <laughs> apart from the atmosphere, uh, which was also great, I think we have also really great content. Mm. So I don't think that anyone will bother about the background noise.
3: I think you're right.
0: And one thing that we maybe also have to tell the audience is that for the first time, we actually have Saskia, our great marketing manager, mm-hmm. live on the recordings as well.
3: Yes. She was even
0: forced to ask some questions.
3: Yes, although she did not well. it well.
0: <laughs> we also got to talk to a very charming woman from... Polymer comply Europe <laughs> called Miley's Makata.
3: Oh, Miley! Oh, I I know Miley's. I I work with Miley's. She is great. I mean, she she's a chemical engineer by education. Uh and and uh she uh she's brilliant. She's just brilliant. Oh, well,
0: then then you should listen to what she's
3: telling us. I am going to listen to what she has to say because it's going to be great. Let's go for it.
0: Now there is Miley's with us from PCE, which is
4: Polymer Comply Europe.
0: <laughs> so what is PCE doing? Like for re, imagine you're talking to a five-year-old or your grandma and you have to tell him or her what is PCE doing because that's our level.
4: Yeah, Like yeah.
0: <clears throat> John's and <on> my level. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Um, I will try to make it as clear as possible because, to be honest, so I joined PCE uh, seven months ago, so at the beginning of this year. So even for me to understand the full structure and how it connects to all the other structures under the same umbrella it's still a bit tricky, but I can tell you that PCE is the service company of EUPC, so European Mm -hmm. Plastics Converters, the trade association for plastic converters in Europe. Um, So it provides services, uh, both technical and regulatory, in terms of the monitoring of what the European Commission uh, will release in terms of draft uh, regulations and so on. Uh, But it also provides, uh, for example, technical tools, um, such as how can you monitor and measure uh, the amount of waste you will get, uh, the amount of pellet loss you can get as well. Um, And what else? Uh, PCE contributes to... um, the establishment of other platforms such as Policy Europe. So this is an association slash platform uh, that uh, gathers um, certification bodies who have certification schemes for recycling content. So
0: how did you end up at the Chemical Recycling Europe conference?
4: (laughs) Well, a funny story, it was mostly a favor, (laughs) Uh, because to start with, I was not really involved with Chemical Recycling Europe when I started, but for this conference, John asked me if I could attend the conference one and then also help out um, with the organization of it and on the D-Day to really help with um, the intervention of the audience, so I was The lady in charge of providing mics to the audience when they had questions um, and yeah it was also the opportunity for me to take it all in as chemical recycling is a hot topic yeah, uh, at the moment in the industry uh, and all the discussions about mass balance as you've heard um about the regulations that will come into place regarding the waste framework directive anything that's related to post-consumer or post-industrial waste um, to really have the insight of the industry and see that we have the same concerns about what's coming and that we really need to keep discussions going about uh, yeah. chemical recycling, how we could benefit um, the targets to achieve in terms of recycled content and also how we can complement mechanical recycling.
0: So that's kind of part of your daily work at PC PCE as well, at Pretty least much. from the topics? Pretty yeah. much, yeah. yes. Yeah. yes. Okay. You obviously attended the talks today, right? Mm -hmm. So what was your biggest insight and uh, your most interesting insight, but also maybe your most fascinating insight that you took out today?
4: Um, Let's say it was the first session, so Mm -hmm. the morning session, um, about basically chemical recycling technologies, Mm -hmm. um, how they could really help um, to get to these targets Um, so there was one specific one from um, Marco from Plastics Europe Mm -hmm. uh, the president of Plastics Europe who really said that the mass balance approach was essential Mm -hmm. for chemical recycling to be um, a booster to really achieve these European targets um, and that investment as well was really important from the industry um, to get there and most importantly to keep on talking with each other and to collaborate yeah. at yeah. every level, yeah. sectoral level, national level, European level, yeah. um, to really get this in motion. Because yeah. for yeah. now, uh, we have a lot of discussions and we have a lot of targets. We say, oh, in 2030, we need to be there. But then um, really need to implement, start implementing yeah. how we're going to get there. Uh, wow. So for me, it was really interesting to see also that other presentation from um, this Ghent University yeah. professor. Uh, that presented his research work. Yeah, yeah. So just really looking for what can be done, how c- we can um, actually enhance and improve um, the yields um, to, to get to this um, optimized uh, paralysis, catalytic paralysis, um, to really, well, start yeah, uh, the process of chemical recycling.
0: Yeah, I think we, we've had it already today that it's a lot about diversification in terms of audience, stakeholders mm-hmm. and then also a lot about collaboration because in the end I think people start realizing that it's a, such an interdisciplinary approach that you need to have platforms where mm-hmm. you can, you know, create also trust between the different stakeholders, right? Exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, is that something that like, you also experience that the industry is, is opening up also different stakeholders in the industry, you know, people from, from the technology side, you just mentioned academia. Mm-hmm. You, you also had, we also had like people from, from the European Union, legislation and so yeah. on. I think, this, do you feel that there is this approach to collaborate more?
4: I think uh, at the industry level, there is a will, mm-hmm. for sure, to uh, collaborate. Um, because what people keep saying is that you can 't do anything on your own, yeah, yeah. so you really need to say what you need yeah, and yeah. to um, have allies in yeah, this yeah. in this uh, in this uh, task
5: yeah, yeah.
4: Um, so I think the main concern would be to really get the collaboration from the European uh, institutions because for example, the European Commission was present here. Um, yeah with a few representatives, but uh, the main concern of the industry is to have this level uh, playing field where they can really give their input to the European Commission to tell them about their expertise and to tell them, if you want to put this regulation in place, please also hear us and take into account the fact that um, we also want the best interest of society and, you know, of um, uh, the sustainability and circularity of products. So uh, please um, let us be heard and uh, invite us in your discussions. Uh, 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 uh. Yeah, that's super.
0: Um, how about challenges? Do you do you see challenges from, from the talks today, or did you did you have mm-hmm. the feeling that there are like some big, still big hurdles to take, or do you think um,
4: it's, it's, to it's be honest, good now? It, it seems <laughs> like the the main uh, the main challenge is money. <laughs> Uh-huh. Um, well, yeah. Let's <laughs> be honest. Good, to cover yeah, all yeah, these yeah, yeah. high OPEX and CAPEX, yeah, all the yeah. Um, yeah, all the costs that will come from these high energy-intensive yeah. uh, technologies is a concern of the industry, and mostly because of the environment we're in yeah. at this point. Um, so we can already see that the industry is really trying to um, to. Minimize the cost, but to also make them more intelligent, more efficient um, to really get there uh, in time, because we have targets, uh, These targets are time sensitive. So, yeah, I would say time and investments that there are the main topics.
0: And you just mentioned energy like was there a lot of discussions also with respect to the current situation and the uh, high energy prices uh
4: not so, much, not so much not so much not right. to upset the yeah. the audience i guess <laughs> <laughs> because we already know it's a problem uh, and we don't want to uh, really uh, yeah, keep stabbing uh, yeah. uh, the wound um, but yeah i think i think either way it is yeah. uh, something that we will try to overcome yeah. Uh, as a a whole industry and for that we need to have more conferences, more gatherings and it's a good thing that now that COVID numbers are Getting down, or maybe not, but anyway, people <laughs> yeah. people are meeting people are again.
0: Meeting again, yeah. Yes, despite COVID. Yes, but I, I think like,
4: exactly. <laughs> and I everyone think it's uh, somehow, right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. And I think it's a major improvement yeah, 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 um, yeah. since the past few years. Yeah, so um, yeah, yeah, people yeah. are really happy. I could see that that people today were very satisfied of the level of speakers, yeah, yeah. the level of content, and they were really interested in having time to really dive into the presentations.
0: So, um, so yeah. One of the guests um, at the conference was Jasper. Jasper? Yeah, you remember Jasper? Jasper I think I remember had, him. We already had him on one of the episodes. Um, and this time, uh, we just got him right after the conference. Mm. And he's telling us Something about chemical recycling,
3: of course. I can tell you something. This dude, I happen to know. This dude knows a thing or two about the industry of chemical recycling.
0: All right, let's listen to
6: him.
3: Okay.
0: Now we're here at the Chemical Recycling Europe conference about circularity together with...
6: Charles Premier, yeah, yeah. Remember
0: and, and And Chemical Recycling Europe, also, board member, yes. Yeah. What... Did you take out from today's talks? Have you been attending the whole day, or have you been only focusing on certain sessions?
6: No, I've been attending the whole day, and I think that right at the bat, I mean, this is extreme valuable conference. I mean, look at the lineup of people yeah. Yeah, the speakers, um, and we touched upon so many important topics, from LCA to mass balance to feedstock, um, and it's all it's all it's all very relevant. So, I think my my takeaway on this day is there is... A lot of attention to this upcoming industry but there's also a lot of work we need to do
0: yeah my impression was uh, the industry is opening up and I think it's going all in the direction of diversification in terms of technology stakeholders supply chains feedstock so do you think this is uh, a good, good sign or do
6: you see it differently Mm, yeah you're right I think I think what's my take on this is that yes um, certain value chains are evolving right so certain value chains around materials or end products are evolving on the other hand um, I do I'm wary of the fact that um, we want to make everything into a policy and that is something we need to be very careful about because I mean we can't make Rules and regulation for everything. We can't anticipate everything, and that is something that we need to have a leap of faith in mm-hmm. things. Um, and, and that is where I'm very wary that if we, if we try to organize everything to the last detail, mm-hmm. it, will yeah. it will fail. It will feel miserably. Uh, yeah. You can't. You can't predict the future. that way.
0: And do you think the market is ready? Because in the end, it will all depend on well, the scalability. Will depend. How well is the market uptaking, new technologies, new products coming out, uh, from, from, yeah, resulting from, from the chemical recycling scale-up?
6: Yeah, but that's also what you learned today, what you, what you heard repeatedly, is uh, I think that there are many actors that are in, ready uh, and eager to dive into this and, and, and really uptake it to the next level. Um, but a lot has to do with policy. Uh, and the maturity um, on policy, um, and that has to do with um, and the waste criteria. That has to do with mass balance. That has to do with LCA. That has to do with there's so many topics where you see that regulation uh, plays a very important role, and currently is it, it stifles investment uh, because for sure investors are you know they're backing off um, and, and waiting and say okay let's sort this out first yeah and then we'll and then we'll dive in mm-hmm. and that is. We're not talking about peanuts, you right? I mean, we're talking about billions of euros that need to be invested, not only in chemical recycling itself, but as you learn, the whole value chain. So we're talking about decentralized sorting uh, uh, and uh, and pre-treatment facilities. That that costs a lot of money. And have you been to previous conferences uh, on chemical recycling? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Is there a
0: difference that you see Um, here now, mindset shift or something?
6: I think think what you see... um, is that in, in in this conference we talk a lot about more about the details. Not so much more high over. Uh other conference you see that it was almost a clapping festivity that yes, chemical recycling will change the future. It will be fantastic and bright. Uh, and now you see that, you know, where everybody knows the nitty gritty of the of the industry and where problems lie. Uh, and and you see now that the, the people who are involved in this conference really um, have a clear view on, okay, what, do, what can I talk about and what can I talk about? And I think that is very helpful. My impression is that it's also a lot about
0: building new collaborations and, and being open to go beyond, you know, your, your own tunnel and, and profiting from, from a more collaborative approach. I mean, especially in, with respect to the topic here, which is circularity, right, which involves The entire value chain, not just one specific uh, field of of industry, right? And today we have the first time Saskia live with us on the podcast. Hello,
7: (laughs) yeah, I'm happy to be here. (laughs) How did
0: you like the conference? What what was your uh, yeah take Um, home message or your I don't know biggest insight today?
7: No, it's but I I mean since this chemical recycling field is quite new for me, especially that the discussion has been really heavy about policies and mass balance. I found it very interesting, but also I need a little bit more time to catch up with it, yeah. I felt. So But it's, it's, it's nice. I got new insights.
0: So now you have um, an expert here with Jasper. Mm-hmm. What would you like to ask him? This is your one and only chance.
5: <laughs> your
7: one and only chance. <laughs> I just wanted to continue asking about the policy that you were saying that it's not good to always regulate everything. What would be your suggestions? Like, what would be the ideal?
6: Well, I think, all right, okay. So, good question. I think, you know, some things you need to leave to the market as is. And just to give you an insight, two years ago, almost two years ago, um, mechanical industry was at its lowest, meaning that oil price was super low. Virgin plastics Hardly cost anything. So, but if you want to recycle it, the cost level stays the same, yeah. right? So, recycled plastic was very expensive compared to virgin plastics. So, mechanical recycling had a problem. And there you see that um, you can't regulate everything. We can now say, listen, we identify certain streams, we label certain waste streams, certain plastic waste streams as these can only go for mechanical recycling. But what shall we do with them if there is in the future there might be uh, no market? because of low oil price, because of what type of scenario. If you look at the current situation, mechanical recyclers are are struggling with energy prices. Mm -hmm. If you want to compound the material, it it also involves energy, right? You need to granulate it, you need to mold it, etc. So what to do? And yes, we can say, listen, um, we make a clear distinction. This can be, this can't be. We don't know what the future holds for us. And I think there is we have to take we have to take on more robust approach on this and say listen we want it to be recycled whether it's mechanical or chemical um, let's let's focus primarily on where can we have the, the best impact and where can we have the most economic what does it make economic sense yeah. now we have a lot of discussions uh, for instance in Netherlands we have a lot of discussions about you know downgrading plastic to sleepers to park benches to whatever um, where we can say okay if we if we would double the capacity of mechanical recycling do we want more park benches do we have space for all those park benches let <laughs> no, but me just but to give you an insight yes. I mean the majority if you look at the numbers of the plastic Europe gives themselves 80% 80% of the plastic waste ends up in these types of applications right um, um, there's just a very limited amount of plastics that go for more high-grade applications. It enters into, you know, bumpers, it enters into park into stuff like that. Um, I don't know. Let's economy. Yeah, I'm a, more of a liberal, liberal guy there. So. Yeah, I know, but, but it's
7: a very interesting perspective, because I always thought that the industry has to be pushed by these policies.
6: You, so, yeah. you, you can push them, but you can also nudge them. Yeah. And if I would nudge them, that's what you see with the recycling content target, Yeah. you make sure that, listen, we, we set an aim, okay, go for 30%, I mean, that's, that's what it should be, and otherwise, you you will have to stick, and that is called taxation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that is good policy, because then you, you see your clear business cases are being defined through the value chain. okay, how can we, we reach a 30% which our content target, um, by the most efficient means. Mm-hmm. And that's what, basically, the free market should be doing, right? Um, and that you say, listen, we want to regulate, we wanna regulate um, toxicity, uh, we want to regulate all other kinds of negative effects around it. Okay, that makes sense from a consumer perspective, uh, from an environmental perspective, fair enough. Um, but there, this should be, yeah, that's fine.
7: Like, it's still always good to give a little bit more freedom inside.
6: Saskia, I must say, you know, as a starting question, it was pretty good. Thank you.
0: Although it was a chemical recycling conference, Mm -hmm. it was not only about chemical recycling. And we had a very interesting and insightful uh, lesson, actually, from Phil and Brian from Circularize. Ooh, Circularize. Yeah, they have uh an interesting traceability technology and mm. told us almost everything about the benefits of using blockchain mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. in the end for for me as a chemi- chemistry nerd they just told me what blockchain actually is. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, I mean, if I can just uh, say say a little something. I mean, uh, uh, as far as what what Circularize is doing, I mean, indeed, implementing traceability uh, in in the chemical recycling industry, I mean, this is so critically important, uh, especially in in the context of of mass balance uh, method, you know, accounting methodology, whatever, that, that is essential for the implementation of chemical recycling industry. Yeah, you should listen to this one. all geared.
0: live from the chemical recycling europe conference uh, we have saskia for the first time live on the podcast and our guests now are
8: phil brown brian schmitz both from circularize
0: yeah so i think let's start first with a short introduction what is circularize actually what are you doing
8: so, Circularize is not a chemical recycler. Uh, we are building a blockchain based supply chain tracking system to bring end to end traceability to the market. One aspect of that is feedstock, um, being able to prove where it's from, where it goes, so that an end brand can indicate how much of a recovered material, be it through mechanical or chemical or other means, is in their end product.
0: Wow. So, um... We have to break it down a bit, I think, for for some of the listeners. So, you have to correct me if I'm wrong, but as I understand it, you're trying to, or you have a technology that can trace the origins of the materials that go as input into recycling processes.
8: In essence, yes. Uh, so, we, we actually are using the Ethereum network, which is a public blockchain yeah. system. Um, what we've built on top of that is the ability for customers throughout the value chain to present data
3: uh-huh.
8: and disclose that in different levels. So, one of the key topics that was discussed today is the fact that many actors would like primary data sets uh-huh. to perform LCAs, to understand toxicology, to understand impact. But much of that data is actually sensitive. So our core USP is the use of zero-knowledge proof. This is a form of encryption where you register the data that can be referenced by another actor without actually disclosing the parent data.
0: So, in essence, you create trust.
8: Exactly. Well, (laughs) to be honest, Circularize wouldn't exist if supply chains trusted each other. But seen as they don't, our system tries to uh, create that trust across a network so that each actor can share information and understand what the yeah, previous uh, actor has done and actually maintain that chain of custody.
0: Yeah, we, we've had this already today as a topic because uh, one of the yeah key insights that we've seen is that you have such a broad range of participants from different yeah, parts of the industry and uh, They're opening up to each other and start finding ways to collaborate. And I think one of the essence is how do we trust each other? How do we trust the data? Um, so what was like, how did you come actually up with this idea that we need to have the trust? Maybe you Brian. Wow. <laughs> I, th- I think that, that- Feedback into the early origins of
9: Circularise, where there was research done on uh, electronics at the end of life, and uh, you know how do you how do you deal with that? And and, and how can you process them properly? And the the, the main thing or the main conclusion was is that you can't without proper information. So why isn't that information there? It's because it's in data silos, it's because nobody will put it yeah. into a centralized database for obvious reasons, and how do you then facilitate? A situation where you actually don't need to trust each other in order to share crucial insights into that material data and that was was just what what phil was referring to as well like how can you actually make that trust um yeah built into the system so yeah. that you don't you don't need to
8: request each other for, for that sensitive data at all and just to bring it to context man if you mentioned collaboration yeah. earlier what's the death knell to collaboration Can you sign this NDA before we even talk about anything? (laughs) Why do we have NDAs? NDAs are non-disclosure agreements to make sure that anything that is sensitive is not shared. Now, okay, you and I can maybe do this agreement in a bi-directional way, but if I want to be able to share uh, information, as we said, about the origin of the material or its chemical properties, where there might be 25 actors within a supply chain, how do you do that in the traditional sense? Do you have NDAs with every single actor, and then you end up into what I would call the NDA soup? where nobody can say anything without communicating or breaking their own NDA with multiple of their buyers and suppliers. So if you really want to collaborate, do you go for full traceability and transparency? Now, one of the key insights today was that actually transparency is needed, but nobody wants transparency. So it's this double-edged sword. So what we're doing is trying to create a system where you can actually share information without having to be, and it sounds strange, but without having to be fully transparent about every single process. Yeah. So certain pieces of information, for instance, we worked on a project around ocean-bound recovery of uh, materials, yeah. so plastics. Yeah. There, the marketing message was very specific to, we want to prove this is from this beach, this has been collected by this actor, and this is a real ocean-bound plastic, yeah. versus this is the chemical composition, and this is who we did it, and that's where that's uh, who is are in our supply chain. So the question is then, what does the customer need and how do you facilitate that? And as you said, we're trying to do that in a, a way that creates trust. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And um, who's, where, where do you see the biggest demand in the plastics value chain? Like, is it on the I don't know manufacturer side? Is it on the, on the uh, end of life recycling uh, perspective? Or is it like really also on the...
8: Can I ask, oh, demand for what?
0: For trust for, or for, for, data? for your technology, like when do you have like the, the, the strongest positive feedback? Actually, when you when you talk with the different, because I guess you talk to different players in the in the entire value chain, right? And then, where, where do you get like the, the most positive response to your technology? Where do you think that the demand for this trust that we're just talking about is highest at the moment?
8: Yeah. Um... So, Circularize has been taking what we call a supplier-first approach, okay. because actually a lot of the hard work is done by the suppliers. Yeah. They have to have their data structure in order. They need to be able to prove to their customers, their buyers, what the tensile property of the material is, uh, where the material is from, are there any hazardous materials in there, how has it been produced, what is the environmental impact of said material. Yeah. Now you asked where is the demand most from. In actual fact, the demand is coming from both the brands as well as the consumer, as well as the end of life recycler. But because we've started at the front end with the material providers, we are steadily working our way back up the supply chain. We're now um, actually just finished a project with multiple brands under the IACC certification. And in that, we had brands such as Philips Domestic Appliances. And their key problem was they were marketing their conscious collection which is 100% recovered uh, material, which biological-sourced material, should I say. But they had to have asterisks on every single statement they made. So the demand is there. Now, if I speak to an end-of-life recycler, which actually just before you got me to speak on this uh, discussion, I was speaking to an end-of-life recovery actor, and his big challenge is he needs to be able to prove the quality of his recyclers. And he's the beginning of the chain, but he's actually the beginning of the reverse chain. So I would say all actors are interested, but it's a networked proposition.
0: We need to start somewhere. That's why we need this collaborative approach, right? So uh, what was the most insightful or most surprising um, take-home message from today's talks? Do you want to go first? Um, Brian. Brian.
9: (laughs) Well, for for me it was on... um, actually on the conclusions that were drawn from the conversations, that you would need that collaboration in order to get to that mass balance. Uh, And and also the conversation on the LCA, that, that, you know, you need to collaborate on this in order to make it work, you need to make standardization agreements, and I think there's a lot of people there in the room that are like, okay, yeah, you actually, you need to move towards that. But then, how do you start the conversation? And I think it was really actively approached by by uh, Dr. Daria. I believe, yeah, yeah, in, the, yeah. in the last panel discussion where where she was drawing in everybody to participate in these kind of conversations, as uh, it is, to my understanding, something that is is unparalleled before. Like it hasn't been done mm-hmm. like on that scale. And and to to hear that the conversation like that needs to begin is is. Uh, interesting as well as, as provides many opportunities for for, for
0: uh, everybody involved to get started on that. But hasn't it, this happened before because you know LCA is just a complex topic in the end right and, and you know by nature humans try to avoid complex topics and, and you know being <laughs> trying to, to get involved into complex topics and now there is simply the need because that's Yeah, one of the you know data sources that can can provide a holistic picture. Yeah, do you think?
9: I agree totally with that. But then also, I think during the conversation we came to the conclusion that it's really really hard to have an all encompassing LCA and how to standardize that process. So Mm -hmm. I was really I was really not it was not the most you know shocking insight or the most exciting insight. Well, exciting maybe yes because uh,
0: the conversation needs to happen Uh, in that area. No, I I totally agree. What was uh, most interesting for you?
8: Um, So a lot of the topic of conversation around alignment of standards, uh, around sourcing of supply, challenges to communicate, primary data, this was all quite known. What I found was quite interesting, there was a member from the European Parliament who came in and discussed one of the potential risks Of investing too heavily into a specific technology and in this instance chemical recycling Uh and the analogy that they presented was that they wanted to avoid the same aspect of energy to waste uh, waste to energy sorry Um, which now has this situation where there's large capital investments Mm -hmm. into uh, waste to energy facilities now actually myself and Brian are from the Netherlands I'm actually British the Netherlands purchases, or used to at least, this might have changed with Brexit, but they used to purchase waste from the UK to bring into their energy, uh, their waste to energy facilities because they created an overcapacity for meeting targets. So the insight for me was that we have EU member uh, policymakers and industry partners discussing the challenges of investment. Now, when you talk to one of the chemical recycler actors here, they're looking at investment timelines of 20 years. So how do they make investment decisions when policy is forever shifting because of the complexity and the dynamism of it, while they're still trying to actually make a bottom line end and actually be profitable, and their investment timeline is 20 years. Mm -hmm. That complexity, uh, we need to at some point align on all of these different standards and agreements and stick to something that is workable so that actors that are trying to actually set up these large capex and opex costs can do so and actually get a return. Otherwise, they
0: will also go out of business. That was really cool to listen Mm. to this one. One of the big topics actually at the the entire conference was... um, how to create trust and trust with data, and one of the the, the, the players that were yeah, talking about possibilities to assess the technology, assess the environmental impact was Sphera. Oh, Sphera! We actually got Fabian from Sphera. Fabian, and...
3: Fabian Loska,
0: exactly, to tell oh. us more about the importance. Of measuring and, of course, about LCAs.
3: Mm. What I can say is, is during the conference, the chemical recycling conference, we had uh, a, a, a extensive session focused on the uh, 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 appropriate application of LCA methodologies to chemical recycling technologies, and and Fabian and Sira uh, were a centerpiece in that discussion uh, because of of the uh, competence. Uh, that, that he and his company bring. So it's good to have Fabian in SPHERA.
0: We're here the second day of the Chemical Recycling Europe conference in Brussels. And now we're going to have some insights from Fabian Loske from SPHERA. Hi, Fabian. Hi. So uh, one question that we asked yesterday um, was, uh, what was the most insightful or maybe most surprising take-home message
10: that you took out so far from the conference? Um, most surprising, maybe uh, maybe more satisfi- yeah, satisfying yeah. or uh, would be like uh, we noticed that LCA, yeah, Life Cycle yeah. Assessment, is a big topic for, for all of the presenters, all yeah, of the yeah, participants. Yeah. Basically, everyone has their opinion uh, on that or maybe did some work in the past and there's some contradictory um, messages derived from data. Yeah, 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 like yeah. it can happen uh, when when you work with data that interpretation is different. And it's very nice to see that there's a broad consensus within the group that this uh, that there needs to be an um, industry standardization on that, or like a guideline to to let's say professionalize this topic even more and make it uh, also actionable. The insights you can generate from LCA that. It's a level playing field within the industry yeah, yeah. to to be able to compare, maybe also somewhat competing in, um, technologies or processes to, to just have a fair comparison based on life cycle assessment, which is then yeah, yeah, carbon yeah, footprint, yeah. for example, water footprint, other environmental indicators.
0: Yeah, yeah well, we've realized yesterday that it was uh, that creating trust, especially between the different stakeholders that are here, because I think this is one special thing, is that you have these stakeholders from very different parts of the industry coming together and exchanging and willing to collaborate. And I think what, we, what we've what we seen is uh, that, of course, data and, and trust based on data is, is a way forward. So uh, how do you think or which which role do you assign to LCA today? And what do you think is going to happen in the next let's say five years yeah. because it's still a process which is kind of takes time yeah. it needs it needs good data
10: yeah.
0: and uh, but the industry seems to be m- much more open and, and trustful in yeah. them
10: yeah. I think the, the main uh, thing that's going to happen in the next years is also that uh, this industry here is more aligning and more finding its way also or its relation to the overall HEF initiative by the mm-hmm. European Commission, the Product Environmental Footprint Initiative, where, where the Commission tries to establish a single market for green products. So to have really a level playing field, not only in this industry on chemical recycling, but f- basically for all products you can purchase, which are marketed in the European Union, to, to have a credible databases, uh, credible and uh, verified um, methodology in the background. so any company for any product, like shoes, like wine, like uh, meat, uh, buying a t-shirt, So, and comparing a t-shirt to another t-shirt, and then um, producers can and at some point have to also disclose the environmental information on that, like the carbon footprint, the water footprint on the products. And this is an initiative going on for the last uh, decade almost to, yeah. to find this uh, or to uh, to follow through with this process of harmonization. of. Uh, data background of the methodology applied and um, this process has been going on and now I think here in the industry they are finding it's their way or voice how they want to work with LCA and then all of this this should find its way into this overall process in the next next years so.
0: and uh, because you know the conference is uh, focusing on chemical recycling where do you experience the biggest demands or where are the biggest questions at the moment? Why, why, what's, what are the companies mostly asking you to help them out with?
10: Um, mostly it's really about understanding uh, the footprint or the comparison to, um, to other end of life, like waste disposal uh-huh. systems. In place, and, and that's also where the where the story gets tricky because oh, yeah. you can yeah. play around with this comparison quite a lot. Um, of course, chemical recycling uh, for uh, for pyrolysis for that process, which is mostly discussed here, of course there are others like depolymerization, and very focused on a specific polymer. But then pyrolysis is a little bit more versatile. Of course, it's uh, focused also for polyolefins, but this process is then uh, the argument. There is quite often that the the feedstock for that process, for that chemical recycling, is uh, rejected material from, from chemical recycling, from sorting, which would otherwise be incinerated. Uh-huh. So all the material would be lost, of course, there is hopefully some uh, energy recovery happening, uh, but still the material is lost. Uh-huh. And so the comparison um, that should be made is always with uh, incineration. Uh-huh. And this is mostly what we are looking at, yeah. really looking at this uh, chemical recycling process, or a circular system from plastic to plastic, let's say, compared to a linear system where you always have to take virgin resources um, from crude oil, from natural gas, going through the petrochemical industry and then ending up through the consumer in a linear end of life like landfill, for example, or the incineration mentioned, Just to see where's the advantage to take this extra step and try to re-loop some of the material that would be lost otherwise. And do you think
0: like this interest now more and more in having this data, having these benchmarks and comparisons is also driven by kind of a public discussion around chemical recycling that is becoming more more and more present, not only in the industry, but also outside the industry?
10: Maybe, maybe it's not too much the topic of chemical recycling, that this yeah, is yeah. perceived in the public, but I think that everyone within the chemical recycling industry also as an individual notices that climate change or other environmental issues uh, like water scarcity, I mean this summer we noticed uh, quite a lot what it means yeah, if there's yeah, less yeah. water available and um, so these topics are more at the um, in mind of people in general and then of course it also becomes a topic in your work life, you talk yeah, yeah. about this with colleagues, you talk about it, you think about it maybe in relation to your product, to your processes And that's why LCA or Carbon Footprint uh, becomes a topic in everyday life. And then they want to understand it better and uh, ask for maybe professional help to to get because they they lack maybe the resources, the time, the software, the data, and then they can approach us to to help them out to get some insights into that.
0: Yeah, we're always nerding out on these technical topics a lot. Uh, (laughs) But we also have uh, like want to address listeners who are not Mm -hmm. experts in the field so like LCA for some it's like black magic you just put something into a box and then you get a value like how would you explain it for your for a
10: five-year-old or for your grandma Okay. (laughs) Um, yeah maybe it's uh, yeah in the end it's just thinking about any product you can you can think about really any product and understand what the what the impact on the environment is for that. How much resources are you needing to are you, are you using to create this product or to use a product uh, to dispose of a product, and also maybe for a service. So it doesn't have to, has to be like a physical product. It can also be a service uh, where there's energy use uh, connected with that, right? Like digital services, for example. You, you just get a maybe also data services. Of course, there's an impact to providing data or insights yeah, that, that, and knowledge. That. And so, um, yeah, I, I think with LCA, it quite quickly gets uh, technical and uh, uh, <laughs> difficult to, uh, to to put it really simple, but that's my maybe...
0: Okay, and uh, one last question. Are you coming next year? <laughs> yeah.
10: Yeah. <I> think so.
2: <laughs> All right, thanks. Thanks. No yeah. <laughs> Thank
0: you. Again, in- interesting insights.
3: I'm learning more every minute. Yeah. No, I-
0: this was, this was all about learning, I think, this conference. And that's actually <laughs> one question that I asked our next two guests um, mm. who were not from the field of chemical recycling again. And one of the guys mm. was already a guest on our one of the podcasts. It was Jan. And uh, mm. the company is Tomra. You know them.
3: Okay, this time, uh
0: It was not only Jan, but we also got Laszlo. And Jan and Laszlo were telling us more about the importance of sorting. Oh wow! For chemical recycling, we are here the second day at the Chemical Recycling Europe Conference, and uh, we have Jan and Laszlo from Tamra with us. Thanks.
1: Nice to meet you guys.
0: Yeah. Uh, So uh, the first question that we always ask is like, what was like the most surprising or interesting outcome or take-home message that now you have after the two days?
2: Jan, yeah, I can start. Um, so very much not not really surprising, but 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 happy to get that feedback was the the willingness from from all partners and all um, participants uh, in that panel and in that um, discussion and. Yeah, basically exhibition um, was that there's so much collaboration within the value chain and all want to focus really on on the goal to to enable this circularity of plastics. Um, No matter what is the path to achieve it. Um, and to collaborate as well uh, from the mechanical and the chemical part as well because we're coming from the mechanical part um, and therefore it's great to hear from our side that um, there is a solution in place for some materials which we cannot treat yet Uh, uh, with the mechanical point. but um, I would say the majority agrees that the mechanical solution is the way to go forward um, and totally complementary to the chemical recycling
0: Yeah, I think that's what we've seen also yesterday, like there was a lot of Uh, surprise about the industry being so open to collaborate, you know, stakeholders from different uh, areas of the the industry coming together. Um, Yeah, and Tomra, now coming from the more mechanical recycling space, uh, how do you see your role with chemical recycling?
1: Yeah. So, so basically, it's all, also the chemical process or chemical recycling. It's not like uh, uh, a yeah, black box or yeah. Uh, uh, so so you still need to tre- pre-treat the material which is going in the process. So we, we heard also yesterday and today again that you cannot just take the plastic which is not mechanically recycled or recyclable and just put it in, uh, in the process and expect that uh, gold is coming out. So also this material will be, or, or needs to be uh, pre-treated, at, uh, that means you have to separate all the impurities which will decrease your, your yield or will even um, negatively affect the process. We like uh, PVC and and depending on the process, but a pre-sorting, it's, it's a must. And that's why we we see also opportunity for for our business when it comes to to the chemical. So we say that, of course, everything which can be recycled mechanically should be. I mean, this is also your opinion. And everything which is not recycled, mechanically recyclable, should be done chemically. And then we have the technology to help.
0: So um, what are the biggest challenges then?
1: I think the biggest challenge is right now, because we heard yesterday and especially that yeah the chemical industry is focusing on the plastics which are going to the yeah, yeah. incinerator. And that's fully correct. The point is that this, this plastic, it's in the waste, still in the waste, and this plastic needs to be sorted out yeah. and treated for the chemical process. And this is right now, it's not really existing. I think this is the biggest challenge.
0: And is it more challenging than... Mechanical for me- the
1: pretreatment for mechanical recycling. Uh, I, I would not say so. I, I would say that uh, a big part of the pretreatment it's uh, identical, like in the pre uh, in the mechanical recycling. Of course, you probably don't need the uh, the washing step and the flake sorting, but to separate the impurities, uh, it's it's like in the. Um, in mechanical process. Of course, you have to generate a polyolefin or a PEPP fraction, separate the PEP and, and so on. Uh, but I think if we, we focus on this waste or on this plastic in the household waste and especially in front of the incinerator, the material is available, but it's still in the waste and that needs to be yeah, recovered.
0: Yeah, and I think what we've seen at this conference is also the big role that data plays. Uh, like we had LCAs, we had like tracking technology. Um, yeah, and how do you think this going to develop further? Like, I, is there also more will to collaborate? Because you need to create this trust, and then you need to have like exchange also on, on, on data between the different partners and stakeholders. Do you also feel this already?
2: Um, yeah, we definitely feel that already. Um, actually, there are two things. So first of all, it's about building trust, yeah? And, and we're at TOMRA um, working on it to, to get the data out of um, each and any material stream um, that we can have reliable data um, feeding into whatever later on recycling process. First of all, to have a, as good as possible yield within the process, and of course, having the as best as possible knowledge about the outcome. So whether it's it food approval, uh, like, um, when we're talking about mechanical recycling because for chemical recycling it's the case nonetheless um, there is definitely the willingness to go for it but additionally i would say we need in parallel to that proper processes so um, we, we should focus on having such a good process that uh, we have a much bigger variety and what we could feed in because that's the way how we generate the majority of the feedstock or as much feedstock as somehow possible to recycle as much material as possible to achieve this closed loop. Uh, uh. Um, I had one more
0: question on circularity, I just don't know how to phrase it. <laughs> yeah, so um, I think also what like the, the big topic of this conference was circularity yes. um, and uh, having access to or, or having the possibility to, you know, at such conferences to exchange and to learn from each other. Um, do you think this is a yeah a key key enabler for also technological innovation, or is it rather finding new market opportunities? And you know, because I mean, the big challenges are also where is the market to be able to scale up these technologies, and you have to prepare it, and you have to have the market in the end. So, do you do you think um, yeah this this whole overall theme of circularity also helps to create maybe new market opportunities
2: I think it definitely does so um, uh, we just realized again at this conference it's um, very much or all about spreading knowledge so yeah. what is suitable at the moment with already existing technologies so we had a lot of focus on the the, the issue chemical recycling has at the moment that um, there's maybe a lack of feedstock availability and what what we, from Thomas perspective try to do is to to teach exactly how we imagine to to get the feedstock for the chemical recycling as well Um, and that this technology is already proven basically and already in the market and by spreading this knowledge a lot of partners within the value chain um, get aware of that topic and, and reach out to us, to our customers as well, um, that there will be a chance to, to take that into the chemical recycling. And of course for us, it's also a great opportunity to speak with the people and be interested in taking the material or getting rid, rid of their uh, waste or their material, um, which, which is then a challenge and a chance um, for us to, to yeah, develop out of this material waste, basically yeah. the feedstock the chemical recycling finally needs.
1: I mean, the technology itself, it's not nothing new because the polymerization or or, uh We've heard it is, many is,
0: times. Yeah, yeah it's, like, it's probably <laughs> older than,
1: than uh, myself, but uh, the point is how to improve Macho it. older. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Thank you. Um, uh, so uh, the, the point is how you improve these processes yeah. to, to increase the yield yeah. and the performance of the process. Yeah, because you want to save energy, you, have to, you want to increase the yield of the process. Mm. And there is definitely a, a market for that. Yeah. But of course, like each, every technology, when you want to scale it up, it takes some time. Yeah. 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 And you learn each, every day how to improve it. Yeah. And that, that's why we see also that the big petrochemical companies and also startups, not the, yeah. just the big ones, uh, invest a lot of time and money and, and knowledge to, to get this technology yeah, running.
0: Yeah, so one last question. Did you learn something new about chemical recycling that you didn't know before?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I well, learned if you one didn't, thing then I, it means you're an expert uh, already. So. I, I learned <laughs> one thing. I know now why I'm not a chemical engineer. <laughs> no, it, it, it's of course uh, uh, for, for, for us. People who are coming from yeah. the mechanical uh, industry, mechanical recycling industry, uh, to to know how uh, to get even more detailed information about the process. Yeah. Because if, if we know how the process is working, then we know uh, how to treat the material in a in a way.
0: No, cool. Thank you very much. Um, I let you off for dinner. Uh, for lunch, <laughs> are you coming next year?
1: For sure. For if you sure. are invited, for sure. Yeah, I'll tell it to
0: John. I'm pretty <laughs> sure as well. I would love to join. Yeah. <laughs> I think this was amazing to also have a view from some sorting technology provider. Um, and mm. uh, in the end, we got Adela Puzzinello. And she is the head of uh, the policy working group uh, at Chemical Recycling
3: Europe. So now yeah. we will
0: get some views actually on the importance of not only technology but also policy.
3: Jobs is lean. I mean, uh, you know, i I uh, people that know me uh they'll they'll hear me say this. Uh I I, I say that I, I'm I am at least at this stage in my uh current focus, not not regarding myself as an expert on policy, but because of the incredible, utter importance of it, I I'm I'm learning to be at least conversant in it. And Adela. As, as leader of the Working Group Policy for Chemical Recycling in Europe is incredibly great, professional asset, incredibly articulate about the subject. And so uh, listen to what she has to say, Matt. She's great. Good.
0: Let's dive into it. Second day of the conference, getting some insights, plastics climate future. And uh, we have Adela. Maybe you tell us where you're from. <laughs>
5: Sure. Um, so, hi everybody. So, I'm Adela Patinelu. I lead the policy group inside Chemical Recycling Europe. Uh, I am also head of policy for Plastic Energy, which is one of one of the companies that are, are part of, of CRE. Um, uh, yeah, I'm very happy to attend uh, full, two full days of, of conference. Here oh in yeah. Brussels. So, how was it? Um, what
0: What was the most inspiring thing? after these two days or what's what's your take-home message from this conference
5: um, a lot of stuff really I think the most important one to, to mention is the fact that um, we've seen a, a lot of participants here in the room yeah, yeah. for for um, these two days um, we had around 170 people in the room Um, And that means a lot because I think, you know, chemical recycling is is, um, still growing a lot. And for me, the most important part is the level of engagement. So we've seen in the room, um, obviously, uh, people from, uh, you know, the plastics industry, the whole supply chain. Uh, We've seen academia. NGOs. So I think the, the level of engagement and the, the conversations that we're having are very, very important both within the industry and outside of the industry. Um, and that says a lot because I'm not sure that until now we've, we've seen this um, level of engagement. Um, and that's important because chemical recycling um, I think t- to me really plays an important um, part in, in solving the plastic waste crisis. Um, But it doesn't come without its challenges like any other kind of part of of the big sustainability discussion So I think it's important to to think about what we need to do next as an industry to address these challenges Uh and and to make sure that um, we make chemical recycling a, a growing, strong sector to respond to these challenges uh, and to, most importantly, uh, respond to, to the sustainability issues that we're trying to solve with, with plastic waste. So I think having this conversation with all the stakeholders is very yeah, important yeah, for, yeah. for our purpose in the industry. Yeah,
0: yeah I think that's what we've, we've in general seen, that there is like a, a goodwill for collaborating and it sounds like a wind of change. Do you think it's uh, driven, or, or what are the factors that it's that are driving this, like policy, inherent motivation, or like simply climate change?
5: Yeah, it's it's maybe a little bit of everything. I think because chemical recycling has been on people's minds for a while, yeah. um, but I think it's only now that we're seeing um, kind of like how the different pieces of the puzzle on solving the plastic waste crisis need to come together. And on recycling, uh, we need to be able to define better the role of chemical recycling as, as part of this. And um, we've seen a lot of great talks uh, throughout these past two days on the complementarity of chemical and mechanical recycling. And that's also driven by regulation. It's, it's driven by um, kind of trying to understand how it will um, how it will work in practice and you know this is just one dimension we have to think that there's a lot of different kind of policy instruments that all have um, their part To play in, in solving the waste crisis. So, uh, a lot of times chemical recycling is perceived as the silver bullet, you know, it's, it's just going to solve everything. That's not true, and the industry is not saying that. So, it's a bit like trying to define that role, and that's why these uh, conferences of, of this sort are, are very, very important because we need to get to a point where we better define how these technologies will. Um, will play together, and that's not in any uh, way coming at the detriment of, of other policy instruments on plastic waste. So that's reducing consumption in the first place, that's reuse. It's a lot of different pieces of the puzzle that we need to make sure they're working together.
0: And I, I think what we've heard also many times it's also about creating transparency and trust. And I think this is, this is what we've seen the last two days that everyone is open to talk to each other simply, and kind of everyone wants to contribute to yeah, their, their part to, to solving the, the plastic waste problem. There was also members of parliament here at the conference attending. Where do you think are the biggest challenges in terms of regulation? And you know, like this, not too much, but still regulating. So what are the challenges for, for the industry now where, where they, they have to ha- keep this dialogue?
5: Yeah, I think it's challenges both for the industry and for the regulators, and that's not um, only uh, about chemical recycling, right? I think it's generally, um, it's it's quite a difficult spot to be in when you're trying to integrate into policy making a technology that hasn't been around for a long time, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I think for any technology, not just chemical recycling, that's sort of... Uh, new in the market and is trying to grow. For decision makers, generally, is trying to find that sweet spot of incentivizing the industry to grow, but also finding um, the you know the the sweet spots as in where does it play its its most beneficial role? Also from a sustainability environmental point of view. So we're very interested in you know getting that right together with policymakers. And NGOs and the wider industry, because it's not an easy thing to do, right? You have to think about the trade-offs. You have to think about where is it most beneficial to deploy this technology. And again, it's not, you know, any new technology would face um, these issues, but because I think we're at this critical stage where we know that, um, you know, plastic consumption is, is is not going to go away. It's something that... Um, even in Europe and in other parts of the world, it's only going to grow. With it, uh, we will see uh, even more plastic waste, um, you know, as a as a result of that, um, and. And we know that's, that's here to stay. So I think we need to kind of be able to look into the future and understand where do these technologies, uh, where, where can they help and be able to kind of deploy them where, where they're most beneficial. Again, with the other broad array of, of policy instruments like reducing consumption, reuse, and all of this stuff. So um, I think, yeah, it's definitely not an easy job for anybody to be able to get that framework, policy framework right. Um, but I think it's 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 very necessary to, to do that and to do that in um, you know not like a, a quite a short amount of time because I don't think anybody has a lot of time to spend on this and that's sort of a big challenge when it comes to decision making because you have to be patient. There's a lot of very complex institutional procedures in in place that uh, regulators need to follow, um, and we hope that these things will be kind of you know. Uh, done done in a speedy way because we have the technology and we're we're very kind of uh, you know ambitious and, and excited to yeah. be playing a, a, a part in, in solving these challenges.
0: Yeah. Now speaking about technology, so there was also a lot of talks about technology and technological innovation. What was something that you learned from this conference? What was new that you were like, oh, I didn't know that, <laughs> or nothing? Um,
5: yeah I think maybe the most important one to kind of understand and I think it wasn't it wasn't something new but it's it's an important takeaway out of the conference and I think it gave a lot of food for thought for a lot of people is that we need to kind of make sure that together with this kind of complex institutional procedure that we all need to follow we don't create um, kind of entry barriers to the market for these companies. So I think that's really important to understand. And again, it's not an easy one to um, to nail down, but it's very important because innovation is very important. Innovation is at the heart of sustainability. Uh, most of the companies operating in the space of chemical recycling technologies are small companies. Um, they need to, uh, you know, to, uh, be able to come into the market without barriers. They don't have the necessary, you know, uh, financial means. Uh, There's a lot of administrative barriers. Um, to to be able to deploy these technologies, so I think it's something for everybody to to think about to not create uh, you know a hostile environment for these technologies and to incentivize as much as possible uh, their deployment to, to the market as long as uh, you know there's the sustainability ambition coming uh, together together with that. Uh,
0: wow, very very well said. So um, next year, next uh, version of this conference. Will you be here?
5: I will be here for sure, and uh, I'm very excited for the next uh, editions of of these uh, of this conference. and um, yeah, i'm I'm hoping that it will continue to you know bring forward a lot of interesting speakers and uh, create this kind of yeah environment where we exchange knowledge. Um, where decision-makers uh, are, you know, uh, very close to, to, to us, to the industry, and also to the other stakeholders in the room. Uh, I think it's a very good vehicle for us to kind of put forward the, the important messages. So I think, yeah, um, it's a learning curve, uh, definitely, and hopefully next year we'll make it a, an even bigger event.
0: And a new podcast. <laughs> I think what was really interesting to see and we've heard it in some of these interviews is that this conference was a lot about bringing together players from different industries as well Mm. it was all about collaboration Mm -hmm. between exchanging knowledge and especially expertise and fact-based expertise and i think this was what for me as a i would say kind of outsider because i'm not from the field of chemical recycling but of course doing a lot in the field of circular economy yeah, where you have to work interdisciplinary. I think this was the most amazing thing to see all these players from all parts of the plastics value chain being open and working together with
3: each other. Mm. You know, you know, man, I mean, uh, it's so, so cool to hear you say that, you know, I mean, obviously I, I agree as well uh, uh, with what you, what you're saying there, you know, and for me, I'm very, just gratified and, and encouraged to see, uh, uh what, 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 we, what we managed to do at this conference and, 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 bringing, uh, you know, not everyone's agreeing with every, with everything, uh, all the time. And, and that's exactly cool and fine. You know, uh, oh, that's what we, 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 we brought in, we brought in, uh, you know, if you look at this conference, um, there was a conference uh, done by Chemical Recycling Europe at the very beginning of of, of the association in, in the beginning of 2020, mm-hmm. uh, and then of course COVID came and it was a two-year uh, blackout. And now here we're coming out again, uh, and uh, okay, we tripled the size, quadrupled the size of the of the uh, of the uh, conference, uh, uh, and, and if we look at today versus uh, two years ago. Uh, there were no NGOs in the room. Uh, there were no uh real serious engagements with uh other recycling technologies besides chemical, namely mm-hmm. mechanical. Uh there was very limited engagement with all the other stakeholders. And if you look at what happened two weeks ago, uh they're all there. They're all there. Uh and 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 part of that is 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 because uh, of we welcomed that. Uh that that's that's what we that that's the milieu uh, that we want to have in chemical recycling Europe. Uh, we we are part of this solution. We are not the solution. We are a part of it, and, and we and uh, we got to work together uh, uh, in good faith, uh, finding you know science based viable solutions and and really uh, you know uh, solving problems together. So.